0: Informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him.
1: Getting you started on your day.
0: With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican
1: to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic
0: Drive
2: Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, January 10th, 2024. Not 2023. Actually, still having my notes 2023. I just changed it right now because I almost said 2023. How many times have you written 2023 this year so far? I personally have been doing it constantly. But the say of the day is Saint Peter Orcello. Saint Peter Orcello was born to a noble Venetian family. Now, his life. Is incredibly interesting, very unique. In fact, I would love to see a movie made about this guy. So he was born into a noble Venetian family, and he commanded the fleet at twenty years of age. He successfully combated pirates that were infesting the Adriatic Sea. Now there was now this is really particularly interesting, actually, is that he was involved in a revolution resulting in the murder of Doge Peter Candiano the Fourth. And then he was elected as the next Doge of Venice. He reconstructed the city after the overthrow. The reason why that's interesting is because it seems as though he was a faithful Catholic at this point. But then he partakes in a revolution against legitimate government. And so that's a very interesting note about his early life. So then he was demonstrated as a energetic and skillful an indefatigable administrator, meaning without being tired, without ever getting tired. St. Peter then rebuilt the damaged Doge's palace. And by the way, Doge is like an is a, is a accretion of the word Duke. So it's like the, the Duke of, of Venice, basically. And the Church of St. Mark at his own expense. So he spent his own money to reconstruct the palace, to reconstruct the church, and to help rebuild his city. St. Peter exhibited a passionate and complex personality, leaving an indelible mark on Venice's architectural restoration. On September 1st, 978, St. Peter secretly left Venice to enter the Abbey of Cusa as a monk under Abbot Goranius. He then dedicated himself to a holy life of prayer and penance in the monastery until his death in 987. Numerous miracles were reported at his tomb, and his only son followed in his footsteps and became one of the greatest doges of Venice. Now, what is particularly interesting and what would be, well, I guess two things of interest. One thing of interest is how exciting his life was at the beginning. Imagine a movie with this young man who goes out into the sea and combats pirates and becomes this very well-celebrated man. Then he comes back and leads a revolution against legitimate government, so you kind of see his duality in the man. And then when he takes power, he becomes a very benevolent ruler. He, at first, he, he rules with an iron fist, and then he becomes softened. And then he enters a monastery, and he joins the rest of his life in prayer and penance, an intense monastic life. And so what should we pray to for St. Peter, to St. Peter on this, his feast day? Well, this would be the second thing. We should ask him to give us the courage that he had in the first part of his life. that way we might face the enemies of the church. And then we should have the courage that he had in the second part of his life. So we might fight against ourselves and our defects. St. Peter Orcello, pray Pray for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. Did you say Doge? I did say Doge. Dogecoin? Is that
3: where where we get the cryptocurrency,
2: Dogecoin? So I was like, is it really Doge? Because it's spelled D-O-G-E. (laughs) <laughs> and so I looked it up and... and you couldn't find anything because wh- it was a meme. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, actually, the first thing you find, obviously, is the meme. And so I started looking more, okay, Doge, Venice, and I was looking it up. It's was like, oh, okay, it comes from the word Duke, which it came from the Latin Dukes. And so I suppose it might be douche, Doge, maybe not Doge, but Doge. But then when I looked up the pronunciation, it's spelled D O. H-J, which is Doge. So I have no idea. I have no clue. Doge. I don't want to pronounce words. So hmm. there you go. I'm going with Doge. I think it's Doge, but I have no idea. So if anybody <laughs> knows the history of uh, Venetian hierarchy, let me know and uh, tell me how to pronounce Doge or Duke. Speaking
3: of Dukes, I mean, you're going to feel like a Duke riding around in this brand new 2024 Mercedes-Benz GLB 250. It's nice the car transition. that we're. It's the car that we're giving away this year for our uh, GRN car raffle, and you can sign up today. You can go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and get yourself a ticket. But we're doing something a little bit special this time. We're doing a pay it forward campaign, and we hope that we want to invite you. We want you to, uh, to to come with us on this uh, this journey of generosity and pick up a ticket for somebody you love, somebody you think that needs a car, uh, maybe a priest. Maybe a first responder, your neighbor down the road, anybody you can think of that deserves a new car, pay it forward this time. You can pick up uh, a ticket for $25, or you can save and get five for $100. So go to that website, grnonline.com forward slash raffle, and uh, pick up a ticket for yourself.
2: Well, thank you very much, Rudy, for uh, that amazing segue. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I was, I was blown away by that. Thank you, Doge Fonseca. <laughs> This is gonna become a a a meme. Doge. We should make the Doge meme. Some people probably have no idea what we're talking about. There's a meme <laughs> of this dog that is like a what kind of dog is it? It's like it's a, a Shiba Inu. A Shiba Inu, which is a popular which, dog in Japan. Yeah. And they just they called it Doge, D O G E, just as a joke, and it just became really popular for some reason. I have no idea why, and it's just like. Very, very popular, even to the point that people made a cryptocurrency named after it. And it's a whole thing. So, anyway, but it'll be fun to see him like someone put like a Duke um, regalia <laughs> on him, like Photoshop on it, and then be like Doge of Venice and be like, I think that'll be kind of funny. So, anyway, complete side note. So, talking about today at 15 past the hour, Martin Scorsese is making a new film about our Lord. Yep. That's sure it's going to be great. We're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour. At 30 past the hour, uh, my friend James will be on with us. He's a Nigerian Catholic living in America, and we're going to talk about the persecution of Catholics in Nigeria because that story still has yet to be picked up by anybody in the secular press. So I feel it's my obligation to share the story of the plight of our brothers in Christ over in Nigeria. And in the next hour, Have you ever heard of the Holy Name Society? We're going to talk about devotion to the Holy Name of Jesus. Last week, we talked about the mortal sin of blasphemy. And so today, we're going to talk about the sweetness of the Holy Name of Jesus. I think it'll be a great conversation. Plus, we have our Fear and Trembling game show coming up as well. You won't want to miss not a single moment of it. There's a lot packed in today. And I know for a fact that it's going to be impactful to you. But let's begin with prayer, as is our custom. We'll be praying for your intentions, whatever it is you have going on in your life. We're praying for the salvation of souls, the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for. And for an ever increasing devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. We'll pray the divine praises as an act of reparation against blasphemies against the most holy name of Jesus. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. In the name of the Father, in the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time,
3: keeping you informed and inspired. And uh, here's some of your breaking news and headlines. A Mexican president demands $20 billion and work permits for 10 million Hispanics before opening or offering immigration help, he says. Mexican President Obador recently revealed what the U.S. must do in order for the Mexican government to help slow down the flow of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, but the cost is going to be pretty steep. According to him, in order for Mexico to help the U.S., he demands that the U.S. provide $20 billion dollars to the Latin American and Caribbean countries, as well as provide work visas to 10 million Hispanics who have been working in the U.S. for at least 10 years. He also wants us to end the sanctions against Venezuela and put an end to the blockade of Cuba. Now, some of those decisions, however, if Biden decides to play ball, would need to go through the approval of Congress. And moving on here, as Bosnian Serbs mark controversial National Day, U.S. war in celebration amounts to a criminal offense. The U.S. warned Bosnia-Herzegovina against celebrating a self-proclaimed national holiday by Bosnian Serbs, saying that it violates the Constitution and the 1995 peace agreements in place. The holiday marked the 1992 Declaration of Bosnian Serb Statehood, leading to the devastating four-year war. Despite the Constitutional Court's ruling against celebrating on the state, Bosnian Serbs held a parade with paramilitary and police troops. Nationalist leader Milorad Dodik supported by Russia, insisted on celebrating the day. Western countries uh, are concerned over the potential Russian influence in the Balkans amid tensions, while Bosnia seeks EU entry amid internal divisions. And Volkswagen vehicles will be able to converse with you via ChatGPT in 2024. What a time to be alive. Volkswagen's voice assistant will be integrated with ChatGPT into its cars and will be able to converse with users in a back-and-forth dialogue by the middle of the year, the car maker said, on Monday. From raising the temperature when it hears, uh, quote, I'm feeling cold, unquote, to showing the nearest Indian restaurant upon hearing, I want some butter chicken, the AI can recognize and respond to a range of demands, according to executives from Volkswagen and Serence, who partnered with Volkswagen on the technology. I think that's... Uh, Personally, it's a little too intrusive. But those are some of your headline news this morning. Stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more.
2: Hey, Volkswagen, take me to Rome. Please use roads only. <laughs> and The gospel of the day comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. And we'll start here at verse 32, just because I thought this was a very interesting thing that Cornelius Alapide brought up. So verse 32 says, And when it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all that were ill and that were possessed with devils. Now, of course, he comments on the fact that he did heal all the people and drove out all the demons. But the interesting thing to me was his this right here: when the sun had set, Cornelius Lapide says that the word "sunset" when the sun had set comes from an ancient idiom that said that the that meant when the sun is swallowed up and sunk in the sea, and that the word "set" actually referred to the word "sunk" or submerged. And it was common among islanders who thought that the sun was swallowed up and drowned by the sea and became a form of common speech among people that believe that. And then it just was used until today. And I thought that was really interesting because I never thought about the word sunset before. So anyway, that's a complete side note. But Cornelius Lopate brings it up in his commentary. So I figured it's fine to bring it up. And verse 35 here, it says, And rising very early going out, he went into a desert place and then he prayed. Cornelius Labade says, He went into a desert place that he might pray thus more quietly and attentively. Wherefore it follows, and there prayed both that after so many miracles, he might avoid the praise and applause of men and teach us to do the same. This is very interesting because you see this a lot with celebrity Catholics, especially. And if you notice, there are some people, and I'm thinking of one particular priest who, whenever he gives a talk, is very popular. But as soon as the talk is over, he leaves. He doesn't talk to anybody. He doesn't receive any adulation. And I always thought that was strange. And after reading this, I was thinking, ah, that's probably what he's doing. He's trying to refrain from getting a haughty heart, from engaging in pride. It's probably something that he knows is a temptation. And I thought that was very interesting. He says here a second thing. Learn here from Christ to give the early morning to prayer and to rise up with the dawn so as to have leisure for meditation to give the first fruits of the day to God. For the dawn of day is a friend of the muses, but a greater friend of God and the angels. So this is a lesson for us. It is the way that our Lord prayed to pray at night. And so we should also make sure we do the same. Let's give the first and last fruits to God as soon as we wake up and right before we go to bed. Let's pray and offer up our devotion and our attention to Almighty God. Let's do that today. I'm going to try to do better at that. Sometimes I lay in bed and just pass out. I'm like, Oh, I forgot to do my nightly prayers. But let's try to do that together. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this.
4: Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Because Jesus said in Matthew 23 that no one should be called rabbi, father, or teacher, I'm sure you would never call one of your teachers teacher, would you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a Catholic no-no, calling a priest father. Well, what about Paul calling Timothy, Titus, and Onesimus his sons? No doubt his spiritual sons, but is it not proper for a spiritual son to call his spiritual father father? This reverential title should never have generated such a big point of contention. Secondly, the New Testament In Acts 7 and Romans 9 We see the term father being used Referring to Abraham and some of our great patriarchs And my take Isn't context everything? When Jesus is speaking to the multitudes It's oftentimes in the language and style of hyperbole His discourse was not focused on titles or ecclesiastical guidelines Jesus is once again warning against giving honor where honor is not due Next time you see your pastor, just say Hey preacher, it ah, just seems so lacking Hello, this is Steve Gleason, your Wednesday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, presented by the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, as we begin with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by A Life Lived Joyfully. We're going to explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue. And be sure to call in with your questions during our open line segment. That number is 877-757-9424. That is 877-757-9424.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. You know, it's really good to be with you. I appreciate the fact that you allow me to spend some time with you in the morning. Thank you. Rudy, you know, we're still in the season of Epiphany. And I know some people are actually... Going to be throwing some Christmas slash epiphany parties this weekend, maybe a couple weekends over. Really? Yeah, yeah. And whenever you throw epiphany parties, typically you want to give out gifts to different people. We we used to do that. Whenever we'd have our epiphany parties, we'd like little goodie bags for everybody so we can give gifts. And I was thinking, okay, what would be a cool gift to give away at an epiphany party this year? If you were going to an epiphany party or Christmas party. And what if you made a little goodie bag for people, and inside of every goodie bag, you had a pay-it-for ticket oh. to have a chance to win mm. a brand-new Mercedes-Benz in wow. night black, even? Hmm. What if that was an opportunity for someone? That would be cool. Where would they go to actually get one of those? Well, they could actually go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle, and you can actually do that. It's that simple? You can simple? buy a raffle ticket for someone else, a pay it forward campaign, one might call it. And you could buy a ticket for someone else as a gift, as a Christmas slash epiphany gift. Sounds convenient. How much does it cost, Rudy? What would you think if uh, someone wanted to do something like that?
3: Well, last I checked, it was $25 a ticket. Or if you wanted to save, you can get
2: five for 100 bucks. So imagine you're inviting a couple people over and you want to get a gift, maybe five people, $100. Boom. You got to raffle ticket for each one nice. of them. Nice. Pay it forward. So there you go. There you go. Now, terms
3: terms and conditions apply, right? So when we say pay it forward, the person who wins the car if it's a pay it forward ticket, they have to pay it forward and it's give, give you the car. they have knows. to give you a ride.
5: <laughs> Imagine? <laughs> they have no. to come and pick you up
2: and take you on a ride. Imagine. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. So grnonline.com forward slash raffle to get your raffle tickets. And I'm 100% serious about the epiphany parties. If you have an epiphany party, you should definitely, if you don't have an epiphany party, you should definitely throw one. It's a lot of fun. You should do it. Okay, onward to other stories. So here's one story that immediately I had alarm bells going off, sirens going off in my head. This is the headline. Martin Scorsese says his new film about Jesus will remove negative onus from organized religion. OK, so he had a conversion. I mean, Martin Scorsese is Catholic, at least nominally. I don't know how much he practices or doesn't practice, but at least by name, he is a Catholic. And the problem is Martin Scorsese has made two films on religion so far. This is why immediately red flags are going off. The first film he made, which was incredibly controversial back in the day, and I say back in the day, it was long before I was born, The Last Temptation of Christ, which premiered in 1988, The Last Temptation of Christ is a horrifically blasphemous film that was rightfully protested by Catholics all across America. I don't know about the whole world. I presume Catholics around the world also did, but it was so bad. Even, well, I say even, but actually I shouldn't, there's no qualification there. Take the even off. Mother Angelica came out on EWTN and she called the movie Sacrilegious. This was a horrific, horrific movie that displayed, and I've just mentioned just one one bad thing about the movie, Let's just say, because we'll be PG about it, that showed a scene in it where our Lord was thinking about having a relationship with with Mary Magdalene. That is blasphemy. That is absolute blasphemy and sacrilege and every other thing that you can add on to that. So that was the first movie he made about our Lord and religion. The second movie he made about religion was the movie Silence. Silence. You might remember that one. It was about the Jesuits in Japan, which, on its face, could be a good a good movie. It has a very potential for awesome things. The, the Catholics of Japan are pretty cool. Great production value. Oh it yeah, it's a
3: good movie. Uh, just not the story. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, like the the,
2: the production value. I mean, it's Martin Scorsese, yeah, it's of, of course. It's beautiful. The acting is always really incredible. The filmmaking's incredible. The problem is Silence, basically depicts says that. You can deny the faith in order to save someone's life. You can apostatize in order to save someone else. That's the conclusion of the movie. The priest, or the the Japanese faithful are being tortured to death, and the priest looks at the image of an icon of our Lord on the floor, and he says, step on me. It's okay. Was that what what our Lord said to the martyrs uh, during the Diocletian persecution? How about in any of the martyrs throughout the world. Has our Lord ever said something like that before? The crazy thing is that they're supposed to be Jesuits. And so obviously, I don't know if this is a true story. I presume that it's a fictionalized story. But the Jesuits, especially at this time, were masters of the spiritual exercises. And part of the spiritual exercises is discernment of spirits. And one of the first things, and I'm no expert in discernment of spirits by no means, but one of the the very foundational things... Is that if a spirit tells you to do something that is objectively sinful, you know automatically it's not from God. You know automatically. You don't need to do any more discernment. People talk about moral dilemmas. A dilemma refers to die, meaning like two. You have two options. And you're trying to choose between two options. A dilemma cannot exist If one option is mortally sinful and the other option is not mortally sinful, there's no dilemma because you know automatically you cannot do the sinful one. So this doesn't even require a discernment of spirits. As soon as you see a spirit, a vision is telling you to do something evil, you know immediately that's of the devil. It's not of God. That's it. You don't need to do anything else. And so the fact that that is the conclusion of the movie Silence, it is incredibly subversive and incredibly damaging to the faith of Catholics. Who may not know and see, oh, well, I guess I can deny Christ if it's for a greater good. This is very bad. This is very, very bad. So that happens. So it's two movies. This is the third movie that he's making on our Lord. And is it going to be any good? Well, obviously it hasn't come out yet, but I have my doubts. Especially considering that the movie is going to be based off of the author who wrote the book Silence. So same author. Now, like I said, I haven't read the book Silence. I only saw the movie. So maybe he misinterpreted the book. Maybe he changed it so it fits with his agenda. Maybe the book is actually perfectly fine. I have no idea. I mean, he's going to end up making me buy the book and read it. The, the book is A Life of Jesus by Shusaku Endo. And he's a, a Japanese Catholic who wrote in the 1960s. And he wrote this book. So I went to go look it up to see if I could just buy it real quick. And apparently it's selling on eBay for $150. So I guess it's out of print. So hopefully I can get a hold of it somehow. And maybe I'll read it and let people know what it's about. But immediately I'm concerned. Scorsese in an interview said, I'm trying to find a new way to make it more accessible. It being religion. Accessible to take away the negative onus of what has been associated with organized religion. Right now religion you say that word and everyone is up in arms because it's failed in so many ways. You may reject it, but it might make a difference in how you live your life, even in rejecting it. Don't dismiss it offhand. I have responded to the Pope's appeal to the artist in the only way I know how, by imagining and writing a screenplay for a film about Jesus, he said, whenever he had a meeting with Pope Francis in May of 2023. So there you go. Will this be good? Will this be bad? I, for one, am stealing myself, getting ready to um, live be, tweet, be against it, <laughs> make make notes while watching it. I am mentally prepared to be against this movie. Maybe it'll be great. <laughs> Maybe Martin Scorsese is having a ma- massive conversion and he's like, "This is going to be a great film. Going to make reparation for my past evil films, and this is going to be wonderful." Doubt, but you know, it's a chance. There's hope. We can pray for it. So there you go, folks. Okay. So I had another story that I wanted to line up, which was armed gang takes over television station during live broadcast in Ecuador. But we're going to have to save this story for another day because I saw this and I thought this is more important and needed to be talked about. There is a priest and I won't, he was it publicly posted it, but I won't say his name anyway. I'll just say he's a priest in England and he's a Dawson priest in England. And he said, quote, the saddest thing or one of them about the mess in the Vatican is the amount of priests I know who are on the verge of throwing it all in. It's a constant thing I hear all the time. Seriously. Then if you go dig through his comments, there was 127 retweets and 156 comments. And you go through it and you start reading them. And there was many priests who were expressing the same sentiment. They're like, yeah, I know many priests. I know many priests who do this and many priests who do that. And the reason why I want to bring this up Is because right now, during the crisis, think about how much it affects you. Think about your disposition about the crisis in the church right now. Imagine what your pastor feels like. If you have a good priest, you one, you need to be praying for him. He needs the encouragement. He needs the prayers. Two, you need to encourage him. You should talk to him and tell him that you have his back, that you are there to support him. That he, the faithful appreciate him. The faithful are, are, they love him. And three, we should protect our priest. We should provide for them. If they are not being treated the way that they need to be treated, we need to provide for them. Because many Dawson priests, many priests of any kind of religious priests, it doesn't matter, they're feeling this way. They're discouraged. And I have no idea if any priests listen to the show or not. But if you are a priest, just know that (laughs) you are a beloved child of God. You are a beloved child of Our Lady. Our Lady loves His priest. Our Lady loves the priest so much and wants to grant graces to those priests, to those who are faithful to her Son, who suffer like her Son, And so in this discouragement, we need to recognize that our Lord had promised that things will be difficult, things will be hard. And there's ways that we can prepare ourselves, steel ourselves against the crisis. Gather with like-minded priests, meet together on your day off. Instead of doing something more pleasurable, maybe go out with some like-minded priest and be encouraged and be faithful to the spiritual exercises. Be faithful to the divine office. Be faithful to your prayers. Those are the things that will sustain you. It's very, very difficult. It's very difficult in this crisis. But we need you. Please do not abandon your flock. Please do not abandon your faithful. We need good pastors. If you strike the shepherd, the sheep scatter. And right now, with so much confusion from up above... We need our pastors now more than ever before. So thank you for being faithful to your vows. Thank you for being true teachers, for loving the faithful, for loving the sheep. And know of our prayers. Know that you are beloved by your community. And we should definitely be reaching out to our pastors. We'll be right back with more right after this.
6: This is Dale
3: Alquist
5: with a Chesterton Minute. (laughs) Have you ever heard someone say, religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine? G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say, we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org.
3: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Okay, I have a triumphant story and a really wild story. I'll start off with a triumphant story. This one's from Catholic News Agency. California's Abbey Consulting Firm takes desperately needed approach to fundraising. It's a good news story. St. Michael's Abbey in California launched the Abbey Group, a consulting and fundraising firm, after the success of a capital campaign for a new monastery. The Norbertine Order Abbey raised over $150 million, prompting requests for strategic counsel. The Abbey Group provides pro bono counsel to Catholic projects globally, focusing on those with ambitious goals, but who lack resources. The group has already developed a queue of clients It takes on just four projects at any time, vigorously vetting each proposal for its fidelity to the Catholic Church, as well as the leadership guiding the project in question. Thanks be to God. Okay, here's your crazy story. Chabad Lubavitch Synagogue erupts into chaos after members refuse to allow secret tunnel to be sealed. In a bizarre turn of events, a New York City synagogue uh, descended into chaos as members vehemently opposed the sealing of a secret underground tunnel discovered beneath the Chabad Lubavitch World Headquarters. NYPD was called as men allegedly vandalized the cement trucks attempting to fill the illegal tunnel. Ten people were arrested with one claim of attempted pepper spray of an officer. NYPD has not issued statements on the incident. It's actually kind of crazy if you look it up. There's people coming out of the sewers. It's very, very strange. The tunnel, unearthed uh, during a routine plumbing project, had apparently been secretly worked on for an unknown duration. So, crazy story there. But those are your headlines this morning. And uh, thank you for listening to Catholic Drive Time. May God bless all of your holy efforts today.
2: You know what's crazy about that tunnel story, Rudy? Well, there's a lot of crazy things yeah, about a lot it. Yeah, the crazy thing was a friend of mine sent that story to me yesterday and I didn't even look at it. I was like, whatever, man. He was like the headline was like uh, Jews building tunnels under New York City. And I was like, OK, whatever, man. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just moved on until I started seeing more and more people talk about it. And I was like, OK, what's up with this story? So I looked it up and sure enough, reported by the Israel Times, they were talking about the Jews building tunnels under New York City And they said in the Israel Times article said they were building the tunnels to study the Torah in the tunnels. I was like, Hmm. okay, well, if that's what they, I guess, I don't know. I have no idea. So hopefully we learn more information about that because that is. One of the most bizarre stories I've heard in a long time. It's
3: uh, it's starting to be a very strange 2024. It is. (laughs) It's a
2: really strange 2024. And we're just getting started. What was the – I was like – we're in the elevator. We're going down. I was like, man, this has been a rough year. (laughs) It's like – but it's only been like eight days. So true. Like, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> do you feel that way? Has your 2024 been off to a rough start? Um, well, the good news is the worse it starts, the then it can only get better, right? That so, is. Yeah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Uh, joining us right now is James, and I'm gonna I'm gonna probably mispronounce his last name, James Chinadu. He's on with us. He's a a Nigerian Catholic living in the United States. Good morning to you, James.
6: Hello, good morning, Adrian. Thanks for having me on the show.
2: Praise be to God. It's nice to have you on. And it's especially nice to have you on, considering the fact that there is this crazy story that's being completely ignored by everyone. The only site that I saw that reported on this story was CatholicVote.org. Pretty much that was it. There was like no other outlet that was reporting on this. And that is that the Nigerian Catholics were being slaughtered right before Christmas. Did you see that story, James?
6: Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I I try to keep an eye out for stories like that, particularly on uh, the eve uh, or close to the eve of these uh, religious holidays. Uh, The funny thing is right now you can now at least anticipate something like this is going to happen. It's been happening like this for many years, and it's just a sad state of affairs, but, uh, it's where we are, you know, uh, these things happen and the world is just, uh, silent on these things.
2: Now. Okay. You said that it's happened for many years. So in your Mm -hmm. experience, is this something that is, that is a common occurrence? Is it surprising to the church in Africa?
6: It's not surprising. And that's a sad thing, right? So we've been dealing with, um, Muslim extremism in Nigeria for many, many years, uh, you know, but lately, uh, in the uh, 2009, um, t- you know that t- that timeline was when things started to come to a head. You know, a lot lot more boldness in their activities, and uh, you know it happened infrequently back then in 2009. But really, sort of started happening more and more on the regular sometime after 2014. Um, and you know, it's it's really. Uh, frustrating scenario, because you would imagine that uh, because of uh, how, you know, frequent this happens, that people would at least anticipate it, especially those who are members of the security forces in Nigeria, to try to uh, curtail and to make it difficult for, uh, you know, such uh, atrocities to, to to happen, but still, with, with all the uh, foreknowledge and the history of uh, Boko Haram and other uh, militant groups uh, people just seem to at least people in people in official positions just seem to um, you know want to go as though it's business as usual and nothing much is happening so it's not just an, an international uh you know affair where news reports are ignoring it, even the local officials there uh tend they, they report on it, but uh, nothing ever gets done.
2: Well, it's interesting because ADF International, and I was looking to the story, and I came across this article from ADF International that said worldwide, over 5,500 Christians were killed for their faith last year. Of that 5,500, 90% were Nigerian. That struck me. I did not realize how much death there was happening in Nigeria,
6: yeah, this—that's a very good uh, um, um, post that you read there. I mean, it's very significant. I'll, I'll tell you this: Nigerian Christians are the most persecuted groups uh, in the entire in the entire world. Uh, and when you combine all the numbers of the other uh, persecuted groups around the world, they don't even come close to the total number of persecutions. For year that happens in Nigeria. Um, so it, it's not something to be understated at all. Christians in Nigeria uh, suffer the most persecution in the entire world. So
2: combined. why do you think that nobody hears about their plight? That's we hear about things going on in Ukraine, we hear about things going on in Israel, we hear about things going on all over the world, but when it comes to the Nigerian Catholics, we don't hear anything. <laughs>
6: I'll tell you what, you know, maybe I mean the very first few times this happened, um, you know, it got global attention. You remember the uh story of uh Bring Back Our Girls that, that had some sort of worldwide attention, even uh the former first lady Michelle Obama and and Hollywood got behind uh that uh, story, you know, saying Bring Back Our Girls. Um, but that's the only that's the most play uh such uh an event that happened uh in nigeria ever got any attention i i can't honestly tell you sir, sir, uh short of uh uh making this conspiracy uh theory statement i can't really tell you why there hasn't been much attention uh put on uh these persecutions coming out of uh nigeria the only thing i can sort of think of is well you know they must enjoy the fact that um You know, sorry to be calloused. I mean, they must enjoy the fact that Christians are being slaughtered and the Muslim population there just keeps rising. Um, That's the only reason I can think of why such a thing would would just be buried uh, each time it happens.
2: Yeah, it's very interesting because you would think... That they would focus more on this story considering the, the racial narratives in the United States where people are mm-hmm. just obsessed with people's skin color here. And you would think, sure. okay, well, there, there are black people being killed in Africa. So you think that story would get, get play, right? But it's completely ignored. Do you think it's because they don't actually care about that?
6: That's a very good point that you, you, you make, and I'm going to further your association there. So in the U.S., when, whenever there is a crime uh, committed against, uh, you know, a black person or a purported crime against a black person, the narrative is always, oh, wait, wait you know, there's racial injustice here because it's a person of color being persecuted by somebody else, you know, who is uh, perhaps Caucasian uh, or whatever, and then of course you know when when there's crimes committed within the african american community here in the states by african uh, american uh, perpetrators against themselves you know that news gets buried
2: as well mm. yeah you know? no that makes so, sense i think that's a very common thing that we see <laughs> uh, we're going to go to a quick break james when we come back i want to get more into the history of the church in Africa, and what your experience there was, because I think it's very fascinating to see you sent me a map of Nigeria, and I didn't realize that it's pretty much split 50-50. Half of Nigeria is Catholic or Christian, and half of of Nigeria is Muslim, so I think that's an interesting thing to explore, and when we get back from our break, we're going to explore this topic and much, much more, so stick with us. James, a Nigerian Catholic living here in the United States, is on with us to talk about the plight of the African Catholics. We'll be right back. More right after this.
1: Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching
4: Minute. Hi, I'm Adam Bly with Debbie Giorgiani from The Spirit World.
1: Join us this Saturday as we discuss the role of Our Lady in spiritual warfare. The
3: Blessed Mother plays different roles
6: under different titles depending on our needs.
1: We are also taking your calls this Saturday on The Spirit World at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
7: Visit grnonline.com slash spiritworld.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's always good to be with you. No matter what anybody says, don't let them say otherwise. It's good to be with you. Joining us right now is James Chinedu, and I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, so I apologize, mea culpa. But we're talking about the situation in Nigeria where right before Christmas, a bunch of Nigerian Catholics. In fact, I believe the number currently was 200 Nigerian Catholics were slaughtered right before Christmas. So we're talking about this story and just the general situation in Nigeria with my friend here, James. Good morning to you, Mr. James.
6: Good morning, Adrian. Thank you for having me on.
2: Praise be to God. It's good to have you back. When we were talking in the last segment, we were chatting about the situation, uh, was particularly the persecution, but let's get into kind of the history there. So you were born and raised there in Nigeria. Tell me about uh, your experience and the history of the Christian faith there in Nigeria.
6: Thank you for that question. Uh, in Nigeria largely um, came to uh, Christianity through the Irish, uh, we have, uh, Nigeria is basically uh, made up of about 250 different ethnic groups, uh, and of that 250 ethnic groups, one in particular, uh, there's two major in particular, that I, I should say, that benefited from the, from the uh, Irish making their way into Nigeria. Um, at that time, the Irish came, this is the 19th century, by the way. Uh, The Muslim north uh, had already been conquered by uh, the northern caliphate. They had basically uh, used uh, force uh, to make their way from the northern part of Africa through the the desert into Nigeria, and they had uh, basically uh, taken over. And and honestly, historically speaking, or rather geographically speaking, uh, it's to our benefit that there is a natural borderline uh, in that region which prevented them from crossing over uh, and easily making the entire Nigeria Christian. The Irish came from the south, uh, from the bottom there, As you, I don't know if you have a map on your screen or not, but they came from the south and they entered through the south and converted the indigenous people there in that, in that region and then Christianity spread from the south of Nigeria into the Middle Belt and into the east um, uh, and west. And so that area is predominantly Christian, particularly uh, the ethnic group that I'm from, the the Igbos. We uh, are uh, the largest group of Catholics in Nigeria. And uh, this all happened sometime in the 19th century, although the Portuguese had actually come in a long time ago in the 16th century the capital of nigeria used to be uh the state uh called lagos and you know in spanish uh lagos right in portuguese uh lagos means lakes uh and so nigeria's former capital takes its name from its portuguese explorers who made way into nigeria in the 16th century of course uh at that time the uh the initial uh conversion process didn't take root there were a lot of difficulties there the portuguese left and then the irish came in the 19th century and really sort of took that on and uh, converted that entire uh uh, region and so i was born uh, by parents my parents were actually uh catholic born and raised catholic it's very interesting to have uh that uh, catholicism in the family and i think my great-grandfather father uh before that had been converted but my father was, uh, sorry, my grandfather was uh, born a Catholic and his children, uh, my father and, and his siblings were uh, born and raised uh, Catholics as, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, if you enter into Nigeria, you you hear s- such uh, great names as uh, Friday, of course, we remember our Lord's uh, crucifixion. You have other names like Sunday, remembering our Lord's uh, uh a resurrection and you have great first century names that are extinct now in the united states and other european countries but we still have them uh, flourishing in nigeria names like cletus for instance mm. <laughs> and other uh, and uh, uh is still a very strong name there so we have first century pope names and first century saint names uh including including first century martyrs so this is how you can tell going into that region uh which which area is predominantly Catholic. You just need to ask names and you'll hear names like Ignatius, Clement, you know, uh, uh, Agatha, you know, uh, and, and things of that, uh, of that sort. So yeah, I'm extremely, uh, happy to have benefited from the Irish, especially the, the, um, the Catholic, uh, Holy Ghost fathers who came were the Irish Holy Ghost fathers and, uh, extremely, uh, blessed to have had that, uh, uh, uh
2: so experience, what you're saying, James, is that the yeah. you're not upset that the, the, the white man came to Africa and oppressed everybody <laughs> there in Nigeria? Is, is that what I'm yeah. hearing, James?
6: Well, you know, honestly, um, a lot of people gripe about this. And, you know, it's the same people who gripe about, uh, you, you know, the state of the uh, black man here in the United States. And uh, for, for what it's worth, you know, you, you have to ask uh, the question, what does it benefit man if man is here uh, without any faith at all? You know, and over the years, when you grew up in that society, and even the Africans would tell you today, well, you know, we know we we, we may not necessarily have liked the fact that uh, we were colonized, but if we, we were not, if we hadn't been colonized, we would not have had the faith. And I don't think there's one country in that in that continent that uh, was colonized by you know some european group or whatever that didn't have the benefit of being introduced to christianity mm. so we look we, we look at the, the weight of that over anything else wow you know and wow. of course we realize yeah we realize the struggles that we have today are not because of the quote unquote white colonizers but because of uh the the lack of experience of our leaders who were at the time frothing at the mouth to, to get independence, but then once independence was gotten from the uh, Western colonizers, everything quickly fell fell apart. So we mm-hmm. can't say we didn't have the infrastructure in place, you know, back in the 60s to build something of ourselves. We did have the infrastructure. We, did, we had many benefits of many years of watching and learning. Uh, we just have a very bad rap with people who finally... Um, Come into power and and they make all these promises, but then they affect none of them none of them at all. And wow. again, the same cycle continues. So uh, money in, and that's it.
2: So in there, so okay. If, for instance, Christianity had not been brought here by the Irish and by the Holy Ghost Fathers, then the, presumably it would be Sharia government all over Nigeria. Yes. Uh, would that have been ideal? Would that have been better between the two?
6: Oh my goodness, it's a state of affairs right now and you can kind of see how uh, even people in the south are very weary of the strength of the uh, military force. And I'll tell you this, a major part of the military is in fact uh, a Muslim and the military has in fact for a number of years been in control of the security forces. Now this might be the reason why when things happened, such as they happened into December 23rd, nobody bats an eye, and everybody just sort of shrugs their shoulders and, and, and moves on. So it would have been a worse state of affairs for everybody if uh, the uh, Muslims had made it across that natural, that natural boundary there, that uh, River Niger is what it's called. River Niger um, was to our benefit, you know, uh, that they weren't able to cross over because it would have been a, a worse state of affairs uh, than we have uh, presently
2: hmm yeah that's that's very interesting because yeah, if you if you see I'm looking at the map that you sent me and it's very interesting the majority it seems of the country is actually under Sharia law and only yeah. a small minority there in the south is actually predominantly Christian so is there an existential crisis for the Christians there
6: well, let, let me add this because the the map might be a little bit uh, deceiving. You know, the southern areas are very dense. Mm. Why the northern areas are are not? So the, the northern areas, the, even though the landmass there looks uh, quite sizable, uh, you you can't compare the numbers uh, in a, to to the south because the south, the southern states are smaller and they're much denser uh, in uh, population. And so yes it, but even though uh it looks the way it, it does, it's typically right now somewhere, and it's been it's been wavering back and forth either I would say forty eight percent christian fifty one Muslim it's been forty nine christian, fifty Muslim, you know, so it's always been that way for I would say about you know twenty five thirty years um, and uh, I would say I, I mean I would say that that middle belt region is now becoming quickly the area that people are, uh, experiencing more of these, uh, attacks, that area right there on the top of the yellow, uh, a plateau, uh, the, uh, that state is where the latest, uh, assault attacks just happened in that region of, uh, that middle belt area. So I that's see. a little bit area that, yeah, we're, we're extremely wary of, um, you know that crossing down into the south, but I think the Muslims as well realized because uh, the southern areas are very, very dense. You know, if such a thing happened, I mean, there is such a thing as you know in other countries called street justice. If such a thing happened in that region, uh, you 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 would be lucky to get away uh, with street with with streets uh, sorry with the police rather than with hmm. the street justice that would come after you if they were to ever catch you. And so, you know, it's well that they do this uh, up in the regions where there's not that density of population so that they can, which is why they get away with this so so much as well. It's easy to, to commit an atrocity and then run and hide and then look for cover um, because, you know, this is between one village and the next might might be miles. And so, you know, you mm. have the benefit of, of being in the southern areas where, Uh, Because of the destination and, uh, you know, availability of motor vehicles, um, you know, it'd be easy to to put a stop uh, at least, uh, you know, keeping something like this from from, uh, carrying on uh, on a too frequent basis.
2: Well, there you go. That's very concerning, but... I think that we definitely need to be keeping our brothers in Christ there in Africa, specifically in Nigeria, in our prayers. Uh, just about thirty seconds left with you, is there any uh, last thing that you'd like to for for people to pray for specifically for the Nigerian people?
6: Well, you know, I'll, I'll say this: we're blessed with bishops out there who uh, know of, of what's happening, and they they certainly call the people to to, to have more. Uh, strength in, uh, in in and resolve, which we do have. But I want people just to keep remembering us uh, in their prayers and uh, to, we have the strength and courage to go through this persecution because it's through this persecution that uh, souls will be uh, converted.
2: Amen, amen. The blood of the martyrs are the seed of the church. Well, thank you very much, yes. James, for being on with us. God bless you. God love you. And we'll have to have you back. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, the Holy Name Society, have you heard of it? And let's say a prayer today for the Catholics in Nigeria. So also, let's push for the Biden administration to put Nigeria on the country of particular concern list. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this.
0: Hi, Julie Carrick here. I am delighted to be the host of We Sing Our Faith. This weekly program shares beautiful Catholic music and deep insights of many Catholic teachings. Join me on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time for We Sing Our Faith here on the Guadalupe Radio Network Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time We Sing Our Faith
4: The St. John Leadership Network presents Glance at the Gospel with Father Nathan Cromley
8: Together we are journeying through ordinary time. We're on our second Sunday and the church wants us to meditate on the call of the apostles. Already we're met with the gospel of Saint John where it says John was standing with two of his disciples and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, behold the Lamb of God. Do you see how John the Baptist approaches Christ? He doesn't indicate him as a teacher or a healer or political figure. He doesn't look at him like many people look at him today because we as Christians didn't follow Christ and shouldn't follow Christ simply from the outside. We are those who know his inner mystery, that the real mission of Christ is to glorify the father by the sacrifice of himself upon the cross out of love for sinners. And we live that mission out in our proper vocations by the sacrifice of ourselves in the workplace and offering ourselves through marriage and fidelity to our spouses and our children. But in all that we do, we have the same intention to be one with the lamb, to let Jesus lead us to the way to glorify the father in the most supreme form. It's almost like the altar of the cross is extended throughout our whole life as we follow the lamb. And as he takes away the sins of the world through his self-offering on the cross, so we're brought into him and offer ourselves with him, and that unity of love with Christ is our joy and our glory. Behold the lamb of God. Let us follow him to the end and rejoice in his friendship.
4: For more information, go to www.saintjohnleadershipnetwork.org.
2: And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time This is your host, Adrian Fonseca Praise be to God, it's good to be on with you today It's always good to be with you No matter what anybody says Especially during the Christmas tide The Epiphany Tide, to be more specific We are still celebrating the feast of the Epiphany When three wise men Three kings Came down From the east, from the orient, and brought our lord gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. But wait! There was a fourth wise man, Rudolfo, who brought a (laughs) gift of a raffle ticket.
3: That's true, because I can buy some, I just can't win. That's true, that's true. (laughs) Luxury's on the
2: horizon, but I can't win it. That's true, but you can pay it forward though. And you can buy a raffle ticket for the infant Jesus because he's going to need that Mercedes Benz to be able to drive to Egypt, right?
3: (laughs) So true, King. So true. When you said we said there was three kings, I thought you were talking about friends. I was like, ah, so true, King. So Ah, as ah. the young
2: kids say these days, yes, so true, King. So true. So the that in all all seriousness, we are giving we're giving away a brand new Mercedes Benz in night. Black, a very beautiful car, I would add. And it would be a reliable vehicle to drive, Uh, maybe not to Egypt because you got to cross the water, but across the country, I'm sure. And you could win. All you have to do is go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle and purchase a ticket right there. And here's a pro tip. You can actually pay it forward. You can buy a raffle ticket for somebody else. You can buy a raffle ticket for someone else, and they could win a brand new car. And so if you want to give a gift for Epiphany Tide, well, you could do so simply by going to grnonline.com forward slash raffle. All right. On to this story. Rudy, have you ever heard of the Holy Name Society? The Holy Name Society. Yes. It is. And only. Not very well known. Exactly. I was about to say
3: only maybe a year ago, I found out there was a Holy Name Society. It's not really well known. Um, There are uh, people that participate in it, but of course, there's a great need at the parish level for somebody to step up and say, "Hey, I'm I'm going (laughs) to Rudy
2: Carlos. (coughs) Oh boy, (laughs) I'm too busy. I'm far too busy." Rudy was saying, he was saying, I think was it a week ago? you were like, "Man, I I would love to join the Holy Name Society, but I don't want to. There's not one at my parish. I don't want to be the one to start one." (laughs) So there you go. There you go. Do you know the who who started the Holy Name Society?
3: Uh, let's see. I have to be a patron saint
2: of, um, is it St. Veronica? St. Veronica. That is a good guess. Um, no, no, it's not St. Veronica. It was a little bit later than St. Veronica. She was around in about um, 0 AD or mm-hmm. 1 AD. Uh, this was more around 1274. i hmm. have um, having the faintest idea. It was Gregory the Tenth, Pope Gregory the Tenth. Not even yeah. on my radar. Not even on your wow. radar. Wow, Pope Gregory the Tenth in 1274 entrusted. He founded the Holy Name Society and then entrusted it with to Blessed John of Vercelli, who was a Dominican. Dominican, yeah.
3: <laughs> Adrian was was uh, whispering. He, he was like moving his mouth. He was like,
2: Dominican. yeah, for sure, for sure, and. The Dominicans are, were entrusted with them, and they to this day, the Dominicans are the ones who hold the Holy Name Society. And so if you wanted to enroll in the Holy Name Society, all you have to do is go to their website, and then you can sign up that way and start a chapter in your neck of the woods. But what is the Holy Name Society? So Pope Gregory X, he understood that in his time, there was a rise in blasphemy and sacrilege and lack of devotion to our Lord. And so, during the Second General Council of Lyons, they unanimously decree that all Christian peoples show an increased reverence for the name of God. And so, in response to that decree, uh, Pope Gregory X established the Holy Name Society. So, it was there specifically to offer up reparation for the insults offered by the Albigensians and other heretics. So, notice, the Holy Name Society... While it is also a very beautiful thing to to understand the magnificence and sweetness of the name of Jesus, the other element to this is that it is necessarily a combative a combative society, and it's there to go against the current heresies of the day so against and it's interesting the Albigensian heresy was a heresy that denied the goodness of the body and said, material things are evil, material things are bad. And so then you had two kind of branches of the Albigensians. You had the one branch who was super serious and so serious that they would scourge the body, they swore off marriage, they swore off any carnal pleasures because the body is evil and we hate what is evil. The soul is what's good, and so we should only do the things that pertain to the soul. And so they deny the incarnation. Because they were saying, oh, if the body's bad, God could never become incarnate because that would mean God is bad. So obviously they had to deny the incarnation, which is why the rosary was a major combatant against the Albigensian heresy. But then there was the other side of the Albigensian heresy, which was a complete indulgence in carnal pleasures. Because the body is bad and the body is whatever, it's, like, it's not worth anything, then why not just engage in whatever carnal pleasures you want? Because it's only the soul that matters and your body is useless and you just throw it away. And these are two sides of the same coin that we see today. This dualism, this hatred for the body, the mind over matter, this whole idea is what we see today. And so what tool did our Lord give to the church to combat this heresy? Well, there were two things. One was the Holy Rosary, and the second was the Holy Name Society. And so our Lord here established Devotion to the holy name of Jesus. Because devotion to the holy name of Jesus recognizes within us that there, in fact, is a reality to the incarnation. The incarnation is not simply a fun story to tell. But our Lord really and truly took on human flesh and was named Jesus. On February 2nd, we will celebrate the presentation of the child of Jesus in the temple, where he received that most holy name. There's a name that was given to him by the angel Gabriel, pronounced by the Blessed Virgin, pronounced by Saint Joseph, the name that drove out demons, that caused the devils to tremble in fear. And that name is often rejected, is hated, is offended constantly in our times. And one practice that I want to encourage you to do. Let's say you're not you're like, Adrian, I'm not joining another society. I'm already part of the Knights of Columbus. I'm already part of this, the group, and that group. And I go to meetings on Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Saturdays. And you want me to do another one? I'm not doing it. Okay. I get it. I understand. I too am overstretched and do volunteer for far too many things. So I feel your pain. One thing that you can do. Right now, is one practice that the Holy Name Society does. And that is, they bow their head at the Holy Name. Every time the Holy Name is spoken, you bow your head. And I would extend this further to the Holy Name, the Holy Trinity, and the Blessed Virgin. You'll notice that oftentimes I refrain from using the Holy Name. I will avoid saying the Holy Name or the Blessed Virgin or the Holy Trinity because. I try to minimize the usage of their names to particular instances when it's important, when it's more impactful. Because I don't want to abuse the name and make it just something that you say constantly, something that, is, that becomes flippant. And so if you're praying, I think it's a perfect example to use the names, the holy names. But for instance, whenever we, I pray the rosary, when I say glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, I will bow my head at the invocation of the names of the trinity. And then whenever I say invoke the name of our Lord, when I say Jesus Christ, I will bow my head at the holy name. If I say the Blessed Virgin Mary, then I will bow my head at the name of Mary because it was such a sweet name. These names are very important, very powerful, very beautiful. And so we should reverence those names. And so let me encourage you to pick up this practice as well. At the very least, at the holy name, bow your head. Amen.
3: I think we need to cultivate this uh, sixth sense. You know, we talk about the sixth sense as being something Catholic like psychic. Uh, no, it's it's developing this um, sensitivity mm. to know that uh, there's a lot of blasphemy that is being committed every single day, all over the place. I'll give you an example. Um, so, you know, part of my job is to design certain assets, right? So, some of the things that I'm designing, I look to different sources for inspiration. So, I was designing something for. An upcoming show, and I'm looking around at different examples. I'm looking at some some Catholic things. What do I see? Overwhelmingly, blasphemies against Our Lady, blasphemies against the Holy Trinity, blasphemies against Our Lord. They are everywhere, and I think that uh, you know, in a certain sense, people will listen to this and they'll say, "Oh, well, you know, maybe we're being a little bit just too I don't know. We're being too too cautious about this. We're being too sensitive about this." But this really is a name that is above all other names. This is Our Lady. Uh, This is is the Holy Trinity. These are the most sacred things that we know, and we have to develop a sensitivity to be able to at least make a reparation for so many blasphemies committed against them every single day. I guarantee you, if you take this to heart, you're going to start noticing it even more. Mm. And uh, as you notice it even more, we have a greater need to make
2: reparation. Amen. Amen. And I think that's something – it's something that so many people, we just – we're just so – like you said, we're so deaf to those blasphemies that it just becomes just noise. and We don't even think about it. We don't even hear it anymore. And I'm guilty of this too. I will hear it sometimes and I don't even notice. Someone will point out, oh, yeah, there's a ton of blasphemy in that movie. And I'm like, huh, I don't even notice. (laughs) Yeah. And because it's just – we just use the name so flippantly – that we don't even recognize when it's done, when it's said. And this is a great defect. We want to be have a sensitivity of soul that when we hear blasphemies against the holy name, we revolt. We have a an aversion to it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that we recognize that the name of our Lord is so sweet. It's like honey in the mouth. It's something that... Whenever we pronounce the angels rejoice, the saints rejoice, the demons go out in fear. They flee from the holy name when it's just said out loud. Yeah. This is why that the Jesuits put the IHS on a banner. and would hold it up. I saw this great story and it's a true story. And I and I wish I, I was trying to find the original story so I could just get the details on it, but I couldn't find it. But there was a saint who came through a town and he was preaching on the holy name and he carved into a piece of stone the name of our Lord and would hold it up while he was preaching. And after they left, after he left, there was so much devotion and fervor in the souls of the people who heard his preaching that they had an intense devotion to the holy name. They set up an altar and had that stone that he carved and built an altar right there for it. And every time there was a great calamity, whether it's storm, an earthquake, or anything like that, they would come and do a procession with the Holy Name. And without fail, the procession would end up causing protection for the people there. It shows the power of the Holy Name. to stops storms, to end calamities, to save souls, to save lives. And we don't care. We don't, we abuse, we use and abuse his name. So my encouragement to you today is to have devotion to the Holy name, to pray that God give you an ever increasing devotion to the Holy name, to pray to our Lord and to our lady, say, Jesus and Mary, I commend myself to thee. Jesus and Mary, I love thee and I give and deliver up to thee. My whole soul. Say that today. And I think today we should always have the sweetness of our Lord and our Lady on our lips. But only in acts of devotion. So let's keep that in mind. We're going to go into our game show Fear and Trembling. And you could win a prize. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial that number. 877 757 9424 877 757 9424 Call now and you could win a image of the Holy Face. 877-757-9424. Call now. You could be a winner. Let me give you that number one last time. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this.
0: Atheists claim they don't need God to be a good person, implying God's not relevant to morality. But is this true? Well, atheists can be good in the sense of knowing behaviors that respect the goods of human nature and living accordingly. St. Paul acknowledges this natural moral law in Romans chapter 2. But this doesn't mean God is irrelevant when it comes to morality. And here's the reason. Besides God's grace being necessary to live the moral law perfectly and merit heaven, God is necessary for the law to be morally binding. How can the moral law be binding if there's no moral law giver behind it that surpasses human authority? The answer is, it can't. So an atheist can follow the natural moral law, but only the theist is consistent in saying that such a law is morally obligatory. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com. Over the years, people were treated as less than human because they were a different race, a different faith, or vulnerable. But over time, we must learn that we are all God's children, created in His image, that all human creation has an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a right to love and be loved. So let's cherish the sanctity of life because we know how it feels when others treat us as less than human.
2: 757 9424. You could win a prize. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial that number 877 757 9424. If you called in yesterday and you didn't get on, now is the time to call 877 757 9424. Let me tell you what's going on. We're playing the Catholic trivia game show Fear and Trembling. And right in front of me, I have three Catholic trivia questions. The trick is, I'm not going to ask you. I'm gonna ask Rudy the questions, and it's your job to tell me whether or not Rudy is right or whether or not he is wrong. And every right answer will go into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. It's almost like we were doing foreshadowing
3: this entire no mo- this entire month. We were foreshadowing, talking about the holy face, the holy name, the the dedication of the month. Yada yada yada. Well, we want to encourage you in case you're, you're just, you're not getting it. You're not, you're not getting the pitch here. We want you to take on this beautiful devotion to the holy name, to the holy face. And so we're going to be giving away an image of the holy face for you to put into your house for your liturgical living. So you can include it into your prayers. You can include it into your, uh, you know, your, um, maybe your, your family prayers. So thanks be to God. That's what we're giving away this week.
2: All right. If you'd like to win that prize, call now 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. And you could win a prize simply by dialing that number. And we'd love to have you there to win this beautiful image of the Holy Face. Now is the chance to call 877-757-9424. And uh, I just got to tell you, there is nothing better, nothing better than having the image of the Holy Face set up in your home. So if you don't get on today, make sure you put our number on your speed dial and call in tomorrow because there are still a couple more opportunities to have a chance to win this prize. That number, put it in your speed dial, 877-757-9424 and calling right now is Rosa good morning to you Rosa
5: good morning
2: good morning to you praise be to God it's good to hear your voice again where are you calling in from remind us from Dallas Texas from Dallas Texas praise be to God thank you very much for calling in Rosa now Rosa where are you off to this morning
8: (laughs) off to work
2: off to work and I must ask how is your Epiphany Tide going have you been celebrating did you already take away your Christmas decorations No, no, not yet. She's on the team. A patriot. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Do you have a real tree or a fake tree?
6: I actually I have like one of those pencil trees, but
0: I have a total of three trees up. Wow! And i next year I plan on putting four trees up in my house. Oh, oh man,
2: yeah. that is awesome! Praise be to God. I love it. We have yeah. a we have one tree in the house. It's a fake tree, which makes it easier yeah. for leaving it up all year long. So I mean just the Christmas season, not all year long. <laughs> yeah. It's so nice to have it. I I get sad whenever it goes away. It just feels like the house just got way smaller. Empty. Yeah. Mm. No, no bueno. I'm still listening to Christmas music. What about you, Rosa? Yeah, yeah. A woman after my own heart. There you go. All right, Rosa. You are familiar with the game. You know how to play. Are you ready to jump into it? Yes. Okay, let's do it. And just remember, Rudy is... I I have a feeling that he's gonna be very tricky today. What? He says he's reformed, but I'm looking at the questions. I'm thinking he's going to be tricky today. Let's try it. All right, Rudy. Question number one for you. The question on the board is, which member of the Sanhedrin, not the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin. That's important difference. It's not San people. The Sanhedrin met with Jesus at night and spoke in Jesus' defense during his trial. Lord, make me not tricky, but not yet. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> <laughs> just kidding uh, so I didn't know this until I watched The Chosen and this is the only thing I'm going to give them to the show because I don't like mm-hmm. the show very much mm-hmm. but they depicted this and it was Nicodemus
2: Nicodemus and the
3: guy who acted as Nicodemus in the show oh, great job
2: great job alright
5: well Blown there you away. Go.
2: Rosa the question on the board, I hope you've seen The Chosen so you can verify whether or not this is true or false. But the question on the board is, which member of the Sanhedrin met with our Lord at night and spoke in his defense during his trial? Rudy says that it's Nicodemus, according to The Chosen. Uh, what say you, Rosa? Um, I'm going to say he's
0: right.
2: You're going to say he's right. You see how reluctant she was to say that you were right, Rudy? And she was like, oh, uh, yeah, he's right. All right, let's see. Survey says that is correct, Rosa. That is correct. It was, in fact, Nicodemus. He was the man who called, who uh, defended our Lord, and he defended him in front of the Sanhedrin and was a member of the Sanhedrin himself. So there you go. Thank you, Chosen. (laughs) <laughs> Rudy you made, made a face Alright, are you ready for number two, Rosa? Yes Let's do it, question number two for you, Rudy The question on the board is In the final chapter Of his letter To Christians in Ephesus What important thing Did St. Paul tell them to do? Whew That's right. a rough question In the final letter This is a really
3: insane story mm-hmm. He said, right before he left, he said, look, I've left for you a transcoder here, mm-hmm. and I want you to to decipher this code. He okay. gives him the code, and then he leaves. Everybody's like, what? What is this? And they figured out, you know what he said? What did he say? In code, he said, mm-hmm. be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Can you believe that? Be sure to drink your Ovaltine? Ovaltine. Ovaltine. It's an ancient chocolate and milk drink. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I... Oh. He was basically Joke just it. telling them, please, just <laughs> just take care of your body, okay? You need oh. vitamins, nutrients. Mm-hmm. Ovaltine provides that. St. Ovalt- Paul, for whatever reason, was worried about their health. Uh, got Be it. sure to drink uh-huh. your Ovaltine.
2: Oval- uh, 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 all right. There you go, folks. Rosa, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, in the final chapter of his letter to the Christians in Ephesus, what important oh. thing did St. Paul tell them to do? Rudy says he told them to remember to drink your Ovaltine. Is that true, Rosa? Do you know what Ovaltine is? Because I don't. What say you, no. Rosa, from Dallas, Texas?
0: I'm, I'm going to say it's false.
2: You're going to say it's false. Well, let's find out. Because I'm sure I mean, it sounds right to me. Survey says
8: <laughs> that is correct.
2: <laughs> Surprisingly enough, our Lord, I mean, not our Lord, St. Paul did not tell F- the Ephesians to drink their Ovaltine. <laughs> is Ovaltine really a
3: chocolate it's like it's like Nesquik
2: it's Nesquik it's like chocolate milk drink oh uh drink mix I'm looking up
5: Ovaltine <laughs> right now I've never heard of this really okay. yeah is that like a is that like a it's California
4: a, thing it's or a something? movie
2: reference from the Christmas story uh, oh okay my bad I apparently did not did not watch the Christmas story at least not recently so there you go is it like hot chocolate
3: yeah, it's,
2: okay. uh, it's just like chocolate milk. Okay. So chalky you- milk. Okay, well, I do like chalky milk, so I should have known that, but oh well. There there you go. The correct answer, in fact, is to be armed like warriors in order to fight against Satan. So that is the correct answer. Based. And I don't think Overtine helps you fight Satan, but it does help you fight the cold. So maybe we should put that in St. Bernard's uh, keg. Put some Overtine in there. <laughs> All right, Rosa, are you ready for question number three? Yes. All right here it comes, Rudy. Question number three for you. How are Domination Choir of Angels depicted? The Domination Choir of
3: Angels? Okay, there was just an appearance of one in Florida. No. Way. Did you hear about the Florida aliens? Yes,
2: I did. That was okay. a wild story.
3: people were saying, there's these gigantic aliens in the Florida mall, and the police came, and then... Anyway domination angels they're depicted as being really tall Mm -hmm. i'm talking about like eight feet tall
2: whoa that's (laughs) pretty tall
3: be not afraid Uh, it's kind of hard for me
2: to not be afraid i'm sorry you gotta look look at it. like i'm i'm actually a little bit afraid oh okay well there you go the dominations according to rudy are eight foot tall giants Yep. all right rosa 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, how are Domination Choir of Angels depicted? Well, Rudy says they're depicted as eight-foot-tall giants, and they're very scary-looking, apparently. And they always tell you, do not be afraid. So, you tell me, Rosa. Is he right, or is he wrong?
0: He's wrong. He's wrong?
2: Yeah. Okay, well, she is going with wrong. She Look how excited she was to say that you're wrong, Rudy. Isn't that amazing? She was like, She's, he's wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Survey says. That is correct. Way to go, Rosa. He was, in fact, wrong. Uh, Rudy, what is the right answer? Uh, they're often depicted as crowned. Ah. So angels with crowns. Because they have dominion over things, so they have crowns? Yes. That makes sense. And
3: according to sacred tradition, uh, they are in charge of uh, celestial bodies. So they Ah. govern celestial bodies. Uh, What does that mean? Probably the movement of the stars. Probably kind of gravity. I don't Mm. know. Who knows?
2: Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, way to go, Rosa. You got a perfect score. Three for three. Could not be tricked by a Tricky Rudy over here. And you survived it. So praise be to God, Rosa. God bless you. God love you. And have a very Merry Christmas, a very blessed epiphany, and a blessed New Year. But make sure you stay on, the, stay on hold with us so we can get your contact information.
0: Okay, thank you. You too. Have
8: a blessed
2: day. And you as well. God bless you. That's going to do it for the radio side. But if you'd like to join us in the after show... Join us on Catholic Drive Time. Join us on YouTube. Look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube, and you can leave a comment and join in the live chat. We'd love to engage with you there. And remember to subscribe. We checked the statistics last night, and 80% of people who are watching our, our videos are not subscribed to our YouTube channel. Isn't that crazy? So if you'd like to join us, look up Catholic Drive Time on YouTube. We'd love to have you. If not, we'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God bless you. God love you. Have a blessed Epiphany Tide and have a blessed New Year. There, who who is the guest for tomorrow? I haven't, we have a guest for tomorrow, but I just escaped my brain. Well, you'll find out tomorrow. See you tomorrow. God bless you. I'll see you all very soon
7: day of the first week of Ordinary Time. This morning's Mass is being offered for all of our listeners on Guadalupe Radio Network, for our online viewers, and for those here present. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Thou rising, morn with golden beam, Thou silver, moon with softer gleam, O oh, praise him, O oh, praise him. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, alleluia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Attend to the pleas of your people with heavenly care, O Lord, we pray, that they may see what must be done and gain strength to do what they have seen. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
5: A reading from the first book of Samuel. During the time young Samuel was minister to the Lord under Eli, a revelation of the Lord was uncommon and vision infrequent. One day, Eli was asleep in his usual place. His eyes had lately grown so weak that he could not see. The lamp of God was not yet extinguished, and Samuel was sleeping in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. The Lord called to Samuel, who answered, Here I am. Samuel ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. I did not call you, Eli said. Go back to sleep. So he went back to sleep. Again the Lord called Samuel, who rose and went to Eli. Here I am, he said, you called me. But Eli answered, I did not call you, my son. Go back to sleep. At that time Samuel was not familiar with the Lord, because the Lord had not revealed anything to him as yet. The Lord called Samuel again for the third time. Getting up and going to Eli, he said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli understood that the Lord was calling the youth. So Eli said to Samuel, Go to sleep, and if you are called, reply, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Samuel went to sleep in his place, the Lord came and revealed his presence, calling out as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant is listening. Samuel grew up, and the Lord was with him not permitting any word of his to be without effect. Thus all Israel from Dan to Beersheba came to know that Samuel was an accredited prophet of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I have waited, waited for the Lord, and he stooped toward me and heard my cry. Blessed the man who makes the Lord his trust, who turns not to idolatry or to those who stray after falsehood. Here Here I I am, Lord, I come come to do your will. Sacrifice or oblation you wish not, but ears open to obedience you gave me. Burnt offerings or sin offerings you sought not. Then said I, Behold, I come. Here Here I am, am, Lord, I come come to do your will. will. In the written scroll it is prescribed for me. To do your will, O my God, is my delight, and your law is within my heart. Here Here I am, am, Lord, Lord, I come come to to do do your your will. I announced your justice in the vast assembly. I did not restrain my lips, as you, O Lord, know. Here Here I I am, Lord, Lord, I come come to do do your your will.
7: Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. My sheep hear my voice, says the Lord. I know them, and they follow me. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. During my years in seminary living in Rome, I learned that there was a very special greeting which was offered only toward priests and religious. That was if you were greeting people commonly in Italy, you would say Buongiorno or Buonasera, Buonanotte. But for priests and religious you would use the special greeting which simply went salve. And salve originates from a couple of places. In the first place, salve comes from salus, which means health. You're wishing someone good health. But secondly, it also is a reference to Salvatore, which means the Savior, Jesus. And the connection between Jesus being the Savior and health is that Jesus is the one who brings healing. Jesus is the remedy to sin. He is the remedy to that which poisons the soul. And therefore, he is the great healer. He is the one who brings health and he is the Salvator, or the Savior. In today's gospel, this is what we hear of Jesus going around and curing people and healing them. It's interesting, the line that Simon gives to Jesus when he finds him after Jesus went away to pray by himself, and Simon says rather prophetically and in a way which is universally true, he says, everyone is looking for you. You know, we all may not realize it, but isn't it true in the world we live in, everybody is looking to be made whole. Everybody is looking to be fulfilled. Everyone is looking to be happy. And really, Jesus is the answer to this condition of the human heart, of this quest for happiness. And Jesus is the only one who ultimately can save from what ills our society and from what ills us as individuals. And even apart from physical maladies and illnesses. Most importantly, Jesus is the one who offers healing from sin. In today's first reading we hear about Samuel hearing the voice of the Lord in a time when prophecy was not very common. It was a little bit of a dark period and Samuel is given a divine inspiration to hear the voice of God and Samuel's reply is to say Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. My brothers and sisters, those words of Samuel that we were repeating in today's responsorial psalm really reflect what we would like our daily attitude to be, to be able to wake up and to say, Lord, here I am, I come to do your will. But the only way we can hear God's voice, the only way we can accomplish his will, is we have to let the divine healer, We have to let the Savior, Jesus Christ, touch our souls so that we can be freed from the illness of sin and be able to live our life in communion with God, to be able to hear his voice and to be able to accomplish his will. And so, my brothers and sisters, as we go forward today, let us give thanks to God for the gift of Jesus, who is our Savior, who is our healer. And let us ask for the grace that we would allow the divine physician to touch our souls, to heal us of all that ails us in this world of sin, and to ask for the grace that we would always hear God's voice and come to do his will. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as we now make our prayer for our community and for the world, let us all pray to Christ the Lord, not only for ourselves and our own needs, but for the entire people. For the whole Christian people, let us beseech the abundance of divine goodness. We pray to the Lord. For all who do not yet believe, let us implore the giver of all spiritual gifts. We pray to the Lord. For those who hold public office, let us call upon the power of the Lord. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the repose of the souls of the faithful departed, let us call upon the judge of all humanity. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For ourselves and those close to us who await the Lord's goodness, let us call upon the mercy of Christ the Lord. We pray to the Lord. We pray for an increase in vocations to the sacred priesthood and religious life. We pray to the Lord. Lord, And for those intentions that we hold in our heart, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Incline your merciful ear to our prayers, we ask, O Lord, and listen in kindness to the supplications of those who call on you through Christ our Lord. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Wash me, O Lord, from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. May your people's oblation, O Lord, find favor with you, we pray, that it may restore them to holiness and obtain what they devoutly entreat through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. And with your Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just Our duty and our salvation Always and everywhere to give you thanks Lord, holy Father, almighty and eternal God For in goodness you created man And when he was justly condemned In mercy you redeemed him Through Christ our Lord Through him the angels praise your majesty, dominions adore, and powers tremble before you. Heaven and the virtues of heaven and the blessed seraphim worship together with exaltation. May our voices, we pray, join with theirs in humble praise, as we acclaim. to sanctus, sanctus, sanctus dominus Deus sabaho, pleni sunt celia gloria tua. O in excelsis, benedictus. Que in nomine domini o excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise, for through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself Preceptis salutaris moniti et divina institutione formati audemus dicere: Pater noster qui es in celis sanctifice tuur nomen tuum adveniat regnum tuum fiat voluntas tua sicur in celo et in terra PANEM NOSTRUM CORDITIANUM DA NOBIS hodie ET IMITE NOBIS DEBITA NOSTRA SICUD ET NOS DIMITIMUS debitoribus NOSTRIS ET ne IN DUCAS IN TENTATIONEM SED LIBERANOS AMAHALO DELIVER US, LORD, WE PRAY, FROM EVERY EVIL Qui all peccata mundi, no hobis. Agnus Dei, Qui Quit peccata mundi, no Agnus Dei, Qui Alleluia, sing to Jesus, is the scepter, is the throne. Alleluia, is the triumph, is the victory alone. Hark! the songs of peaceful Zion Thunder like a mighty flood Jesus out of every nation Hath redeemed us by his blood Alleluia Not as orphans Are we left in sorrow now? Alleluia He is near us Faith believes Nor questions how Though the cloud from sight Received him When the forty days were o'er, Shall our hearts forget his promise? I am with you evermore. Let us pray. Humbly we ask you, Almighty God, be graciously pleased to grant that those you renew with your sacraments may also serve with lives pleasing to you through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. Sing of Mary, pure and lowly, Virgin Mother undefiled. Sing of God's own Son, most holy, Who became her little child. Fairest child of fairest mother, God the Lord who came to earth. Word made flesh, our very brother, Takes our nature by his
0: birth.
7: Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.